0: this is jesse of the dragon fisters podcast and you're listening to the monkey fighting mfg cast Guys, Kurt here. Um, another month, another couple of things we've been doing. And this month is going to be chock full because I don't really like to make a lot. of, I don't like to have a full slate of stuff in December because everybody's doing stuff for holidays and stuff and blah blah blah. So you're going to be hearing a lot of stuff coming up in the in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be re- recording a episode of of an improv. We're going to be recording an episode, a regular episode. And also, I've got an interview tonight. I am talking... Well, actually, I don't know why I say tonight, because you're probably going to be listening to it in the morning or in the afternoon or whatever. But anyway, today I am talking with Taylor LaBrush. You know, I didn't ask you this beforehand. Okay, so are you considered founder, co-founder, DM, player for Leviathan Files? What would you call your technical name of of how how you'd like to be called as far as the podcast
1: which is a weekly d20 mass effect actual play podcast and that sounds like a mouth mouthful and it's taken me eight months to get it down where i can just say it straight but yeah uh we are we're an actual play podcast so we play d20 um and we record ourselves it's in the mass effect universe uh i like to joke that we're the weirdest mass effect fan fiction that you'll ever come across but i know that that's not true uh mainly because i've I've read weirder, but as far as I know, we're the only um, we're the only long-running Mass Effect actual play, which is as niche as you can get. There's another podcast that I think did like two or three episodes of a D20 Mass Effect, but I have not listened to that because their episodes are like four hours long. <laughs> we like to keep ours underneath an hour each, so that's actually a realistic goal because for every about two hours that we record, only about 45 minutes of it is usable i know you had uh i know you had a rom from god's fall on and he was talking about how for each hour that they have that six hours of of audio that he cuts from we are not as lean but it's it's definitely a process where it's it's you record and then you get down but like i said uh i i run the show i am the gm i used to do the majority of the edits uh now we have one of our players sj um who is an angel and finds somehow time between going to school, doing all of her art, and editing the show. Another thing that Aram said when he was on that I that I love is that for each hour of completed audio that you're listening to, that's ten to twenty hours of work editing, and that is not that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> A lot of work goes into into producing our our show, um, and I'm very proud of it. So.
0: It's a great podcast. I, I love listening to it, and I you know it's it's funny because you know you're talking about that it's you know one of the few long, uh, lasting uh, Mass Effect role plays that's on you know because it's kind of a kind of a niche thing. I mean, there's a lot of people that love the game series, but you know you don't see you know you don't really hear a lot of people playing you know playing the RPG of it, which makes sense because I mean I mean the game itself is such a great world, a great story, and it's got a lot of you know cool, you know, things to it, you know, and it's kind of cool to, you know, think about the different stories within it, you know. And there's other I'm, you know, there's other things about it in the game series too where there's, you know, certain characters I know that, you know, people were really uh, excited about and you know you don't you don't really get to know their whole story so it's kind of nice to have that thing so I, it made me think of a question when you guys run run your own world here and you use the Mass Effect world is it something that you guys because just because I have a really bad memory of you know when I listen something from from episode one to now you know it's a lot of episodes in between so when you guys uh, started this is it something that you actually found uh, an actual RPG book. Of Mass Effect of of D20, so or is that something a, you made up yourself?
1: And I can never remember this guy's name. Give me, g- like, three halves of a second here. Um, we run a homebrew D20 system, but it's professional quality. Like, this guy worked on it for two straight years, and it it looks more professionally done. It runs smoother. It's a more polished, like, PDF than all about half the games that are sitting on my tablet right now. Uh, João Paulo Davina Santos. He's a Peruvian game designer. Peruvian? No, goddamn. Uh, he's a Brazilian game designer. <laughs> I don't know where I got Peru from. But there's he has a, a few other contributors that are on the book. But yeah, it's it's all you know running off of the D twenty OGL. So I mean, thank God for that. Uh, and it's I, I joke about the length being over 500 pages, the last page is literally numbered 501. So it's a beast of a book. But on the other hand, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, I mean, D20 has its faults. And it's it's a great system for running combat and numbers-based roleplay. But there are episodes of the show where we, like, we roll dice as a pittance. Like, I feel like we're not using the system, so why don't you roll an electronics check? Um, we definitely have just all roleplay systems, and so I've added, um, I've stolen from systems that I like. One of the things in our early episodes are skill challenges, because I was listening to Drunks and Dragons, and I loved how their skill challenges informed the story in like a way that let everyone shine in turns uh, that wasn't combat. And as much as I owe a lot of my gaming background to... Things like D and D three point five or any sort of miniatures based uh, tactical turn based combat system RPGs. In my opinion, combat is the most boring part of role playing. So when I'm when I'm gaming, I try to do that as little as possible. I've I've think I've found a sweet sweet spot in the Leviathan files where I can make combat interesting. I think it's still pretty recently pretty recent, but. Season 3, episode 3 is, I think, in my opinion, the best thing that we have ever done. And I don't know how we did it. It's it's one entire fight. And so I'm like, I'm sitting here going around like, alright, combat is the most boring part of roleplay, and then the, the actual best thing that we've ever put out is just one fight scene. But I think the magic of that comes from the relationships and the stakes that that fight hangs on. So I don't want to spoil it for people who are listening, but there's a lot at stake that happens in that fight scene. And the players bring a lot of um, of their character into that fight, and they, they they fight because there are things to fight for. And then again, we we put a lot of work into editing the show, and some of that editing is is soundtrack. That editing is sound effects. Um, that editing is moving bits around. So if someone you know says something at ten fourteen time mark, but it it would make more sense to go after someone else's turn. Um, that's something that SJ and I move around and swap around so we really play with um, with the editing to make every scene as you know as good as we can make it
0: yeah great so uh, this brings uh, now that you're talking about combat versus story and stuff like that and what you prefer um, do when your players play play your game are they excited about it? Or do they, you know, get to a point where they, do they pull you aside or maybe even tell you when you're recording, just be like, okay, we've done enough with, <laughs> um, we've I done enough with our story right now. So Can we just fight we'll something We'll episodes already?
1: where we'll be, we'll be an hour and a half, two hours in and I'll be like, all right. And that's where we're going to call it for this episode. And then everyone else is like, no, all we did was fight. We need to have some more, we like what's going on else in this episode. And so we'll have episodes where it's like, all right, well now Estrella and I have to slog through three hours or four, three and a half. I think one time we had a four-hour one, but that was our longest. But yeah, no, it's... I'm usually the first one to give up. <laughs> uh, everyone else is like, no, let's keep going.
0: I just had a comment about the last thing about doing about story versus, story versus combat. I think yeah. it's good to have a nice balance, but I think most people, when they're role-playing, they really like story because, I mean, that's pretty much what makes role-playing. If you want to do... You know, consistent combat, you could just fight miniatures and just roll dice. You know, you can just do it that way. So uh, I think that, you know, putting story into combat is what, you know, can make for the best kind of stuff. Because you're putting the two things that basically make up an RPG, which is your combat and your and your role-playing, and meshes it together, you know, in a nice little package. You know, it's like, it's like watching a movie and you, you know, you see... You know this nice little story, but then like you've got you know a, a nice moment where like you know a cars being flicked, flipped, or you know someone's you know doing bullet time like in the Matrix or something like that. You know it's got the cool little tie together or whatever. So this kind of gets me back to your players. So when you started this podcast with the Leviathan Files up until now, ha- you know how has it changed? Has it has it stayed? kind of consistent or has it you know really turned into something where you thought at first when you you know started up this podcast thinking okay this is the way we're gonna have it this is kind of how it's gonna line up you know has oh, it man. been if, on a consistent fact, pace February, or has it just really this, evolved if into something
1: i had else? somehow find a time, found a time portal and listen to the episodes that we're making now i would not think it's the same show there's the approach is still the same but i think I've learned, I I mean, just me personally, I've learned so much more about storytelling, about um, production, about how to manage groups than just our first episodes. Like I, I look back on some of those early episodes and I, I'm not happy with it, (laughs) but this is the, this is the first time that I've ever done anything like this. And so I think I just kind of dove into the deep end and did not know how to swim. I'm still learning how to swim but my my swimming tactics if i guess if you call it that my my moves for swimming my styles of swimming are are different so and i mean that that kind of ties into a little bit of news that um i released to today on we have our blooper episodes which come out every 5 episodes which is just like a fun way to say here's all the things that we didn't think we we're related to the story, but we don't want to just delete them forever. And I always use those as t- uh, time to put out n- news about the show. And the news for this blooper episode was that uh, we are going to take all of our early episodes where we are clearly finding our feet. We're not um, putting out stuff that you know is as good as we could be. We're going to take that off of the feed. It'll still be available on our website, which is theleviathanfiles.wordpress.com. But we're gonna take everything from our character creation episode up until season one, episode nine. We're gonna take it off. I'm gonna combine it into just one big super episode that's gonna be like ten hours long, and then we'll have the show start when when we have Alana Bell and Calcoris meeting Tarka and Izine because I think that's really when the you know the quote unquote story begins. Um, and if you take any sort of like writing advice or writing critique or writing class, they always tell you you know, take everything before this story begins and just delete it. I don't want to delete it because I still think that that's, you know, fun and enjoyable stuff, but we have enough exposition in our later episodes that we can rely on that. And I've been looking at our stats for the, for all of our episodes and, you know, there's no really reliable source of statistics for podcasts because iTunes doesn't do a lot of reporting, unfortunately, but stuff on, on Libsyn, which is the place that we host on, we'll see, um... I've seen 400, about 400 people have listened to episode one, about 300 listened to episode two, and then about 200 listened to episode three. So that's not, those aren't good numbers. I don't want, I don't want to lose half our audience by episode three. So hopefully if we can start the show where things are a little bit better, we're a little bit more on our feet, That, that that'll be a good thing.
0: No, that's good. It's a good way to think about it. I uh I've also think thought about that too in the past cuz you think about, you know, your first couple of episodes and you're like, yeah. "Oh, you're glad for the journey that you've made, you know, cuz you know you've yeah. you've you've made it from leaps and bounds from when you started, but still at the same point you when you get back there you're like, "Oh my god, what were we doing?" You know, it's just you just kind of, yeah. you know, jump in feet first and hope, you know, hope for the best, you know. So, I don't. I don't think looking at I don't, looking at those stats. I don't think is a bad thing. I mean, I think that's a great idea. What you're doing is, you know, taking those other ones and you know, and just kind of starting from where you think that it's a pivotal starting point in your story. Basically, I think that's a great idea. But I wouldn't worry about the stats yeah. that much because obviously, if you're still doing this exactly, exactly. and you're still loving no, it, I, then I, obviously I, I something is going. I right
1: wouldn't now. stop doing this for. For pretty much anything, it's it's so fun. I've met so many incredible people, yourself included. And I don't I don't know I don't have words for the the sense of community that just giving giving out the podcast and then having people receive it it has has given me. I did uh, I do want to give a shout out to our our podcasting best friends who I met on the MFG Cast, which is the re- Redacted Files. That show and the the friendship that I now have with Megan and Acer, who run it, is incredible. And I would never have had that if I hadn't. Done the
0: Leviathan files. So, yeah, I I love that you know it's funny when you think about it because when you you I don't know if it's for you happened for you but when we you know when we started this whole thing we're just like okay we're just gonna get our band of idiots we're gonna have this fun little podcast you know and see where it goes and and you know now to a point where you're like. I know somebody halfway around the world or I know somebody, you know, you know, across the state or, you know, and then you become, you know, good friends with these people that, you know, you listen to their podcast, or you listen to their stories and you're like, I can't believe I'm talking to this person. That is awesome. You know? And yeah. And they're, and, and for the most part, you know, like 98, eight percent you know, like most of them are really great people. So it's, you know, it's nice to just be part of that. And it's, it's funny because, you know, before we got on today, you had uh, a me and you're like, oh, I'm going to be late. I'm sorry. I'm eating, you know, supper with my parents. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, you hurry up. You know, it's not like I would be like, you know, you asshole, how dare you hang out with your family? You know, that kind of thing. It's, you know, everybody has got, they've been through it. You know, we all know that there's things that we've had that where we've you know made mistakes and we've learned from it and stuff like that and we're all pretty patient people so it's nice to have that community. Okay, so now I feel like we're go I'm going to go kind of backwards on usually how we interview people. So, usually at the beginning, I ask people how they started in gaming. And I don't remember if I asked you this Prior when when we first had the random bullshit episode and you were on it, but I would really like you to just kind of start from the beginning. Yeah, I was going to say where where's you started my three with games years. until <laughs> when you've come up to this podcast.
1: But no, uh, I I started. I don't know. I have two kind of theories that I think to myself about where I got my start in gaming. The first is probably when I started doing you know, and I I hate to use the term real gaming because I'll tell you in a moment, but. Uh, i I played my first game of Dungeons and Dragons uh the summer after fourth grade uh, and that was shit that was eighteen years ago fifteen sixteen no i'm twenty five now that would have been math is not my strong suit <laughs> so I would have been eleven that was fourteen years ago is when I played my first game of Dungeons and dragons that was um that was third edition that wasn't even three point five that wasn't out yet and i I still remember it I still remember it incredibly sharply and i'm sure that there was nothing special about it i was a dwarf fighter and i had a club that i started on fire and i you know massacred a troop of orcs that were there because they were orcs and my dm was also a fourth grader but my i think my first time telling stories with a group of people was way before that i learned how to read very very early and reading has always been incredible to me um and telling stories also has has been super important. So I remember as far back as, you know, first, second grade, and I'm sure that I was doing it before then because the memories that I have in first and second grade aren't, this is my first time doing this, this is, this is something that we've been doing forever, of telling stories of, um, you know, people going on journeys, doing things. Um, I remember one game with some friends where we played bunny rabbits, Um, and, you know, flash forward to 2015 and I'm backing, what is it? Jason Morningstar's The Warren on Kickstarter. And I'm like, I played this game 15 years ago. (laughs) Um, but now I'm glad that someone's publishing it. And so playing, you know, playing these games where you're saying like, all right, well, I'm this bunny rabbit and I'm, you know, we got to look for this thing. I had just read Watership Down, which should never be a first year old, uh, a first graders book. It's, it's terrifying. But I remember reading it and being like, you guys, we got to play Watership Down. And my friends were like, "Hell yeah! How do we do that?" And we're like, "Well, okay, we're all rabbits, and this happens. What do we do?" Which it's exactly this—you know—the same patterns and the same activities of role-playing games. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't have a book, it doesn't have dice. So those are my two like. Is this when I started gaming, or is this when I started gaming? And I'm I'm very happy that I don't have a good answer to that.
0: So, brought up another question since you're talking about books. So, do you? How often do you read
1: in a book, whatever book that I'm reading? And that's my minimum. Most often, I'll I'll do twenty twenty-five. Currently, I'm reading N.K. Jemisin's The Fifth Season, which is incredible. It is so good. So it's it's a. Tell me about
0: it. I don't know what it is.
1: In the far future, the world has seasons, um, not like winter, summer, spring, fall. But seasons with a capital S, where there's geologic upheaval, there's tectonic activity on a massive scale, and people have learned magic in a way to deal with that and make it, you know, livable. So there are people called Orogenes who have the power of moving rocks. They're they're like Earthbenders is the best analogy that I can make to it. But they, because they have this power, they're feared and um, vilified. Uh, and they're ostracized from society. So it's a it's. N.K. Jemison wrote it with a very centered perspective on like the black struggle. So you know, slaves brought to the United States that our civilization would not exist without. But you know, there's their suffering and the oppression and sort of just general shittiness of white society is is making them deal with. Um, so I think the, the dedication at the front of the book is, you know, for those who, uh, shit, I started saying it, and then I don't want to mess it up, first half of it, for all of those who have to fight with the, for the respect that everyone else is given without question. Um, so it's an incredibly powerful book, is what I'm trying to get to, and I think everyone should read it. It's incredible. So that's what I'm reading right now.
0: Very nice. So on, excuse me, so staying on that topic, so uh, when you're reading books, I'm, I'm sure obviously the stories that, some of the stories that you read are, inspire you to, you know, bring out something in your game, so what, you know, what types of things don't, you know, without elaborating on story, you know, just reference some things, you know, some books and stuff like that that you've read that you're like, okay, obviously I'm pulling from this, or obviously, you know, some of my you know some of the way i bring the, the leviathan files yeah, to how i want it is obviously from stemming others. from this
1: that is that is a book series that i read literally every year that's my earliest memory with science fiction is reading my dad's copy of the omnibus edition i think that it, it i don't think that copy of the book exists anymore in physical form because it has weathered so much i have about 3 copies of that book one that i give out to friends one that i have for my own reading, and then one is the really nice Barnes and Noble leatherback like classics edition that I use just as display. That that book series has given me so much, um, and it's taught me that you can have science fiction, you can have you know all these sorts of like things, um, but it still has to be it has to be fun, it has to be whimsical, it has to be scary, it has to be depress- depressing, it has to be emotional. There has to be characters, there has to be plot, there has to be world building there has to be minutiae Douglas Adams will spend two pages writing about an alien civilization that only tangentially relates to what's happening but you need to know these two pages because it's a it's entertaining and b it happened that one time for one second and that's why you need to know goddamn (laughs) he I don't know I yeah Douglas Adams um
0: That's awesome. I was because I was just thinking about that the other day because I'm I'm reading the f- the first two books and I I don't know what the I don't know what the actual series is called but the uh, Patrick Roth Rothfuss's okay. uh, Name of the Wind and Wild, Wise Man's Fear I, I I can't remember what that series is called but just just reading those books for some reason it's just knowing what you know what he knows about life I mean just <laughs> It's funny because, like you know, it's we talk about this kind of stuff where you know when when you're reading, it's you know a lot of times something in that sparks something that you're dealing with, you know, and you you know and you you know you're like that's what I'm getting with this book. I start reading it and I'm like, son of a bitch! It's like it's like it just it came to me. It came at the right time, but you know, like like you said with Hitchhiker's Guide and stuff like that, it's like it just these people just know what to say. And how to say it and they've got a voice that's just beyond anything that you know i mean i i know these things in my head but i couldn't tell you these things you know you know a lot of times if you experience these things you're like okay i i realize that that is a you know as a thing but when you actually you know read that at a book like that and somebody has uh, the wherewithal the to put that in characters movies. you're like wow they obviously know they get it Yes, thank you, thank you. I have such a bad memory. I'm sure people are just screaming um, at me right no, now, but I, I I'm sorry. I have a bad memory. Terms, like, okay, just coming Sue along me. at
1: the right ti- right place at the right time. Um, like I said, I, re- I read the Hitchhiker's Guide every year. Um, and I'm always finding something new or something different resonates me with me. Like uh, the most important, I think, for that series is when I was in high school and I was going through um I was going through depression for the first time and. Just like the stress of becoming an adult and, and growing up and um, the hormones of puberty and, and everything going around. Dealing with uh, being out for the first time. That that book series really helped me out. And there's one scene that just destroyed me for the first time, even though I had read it, you know, five or six, seven times before. Which is in the last book when Arthur and, I think it's, Fen- yeah, Arthur and Fenchurch. Is it Fenchurch or is it Trillion at that point? I don't know. I this is this is how tired I am. I, I can relate to your having a long day that I I've read this book so many times. They're in the uh the Quintilus Quasgar Mountains. Or no. Scornchil Ah, fuck it. Quintilus Quasgar, the mountains to see God's final cr- message to his creation. And they happen upon Marvin, the the robot who's you know, 10, 15 times older than the universe itself at this point because he's been sent back and forward through time so many times and no one takes him with him. They're just like, oh, we're going to go back 400 million years. I guess we forgot Marvin on the return trip. We'll meet him again. He's immortal, but he's dying. And they they help him up to the, the telescope to see these, you know, these fiery words that no mortal can see because they'll burn their retinas out. But since he's a robot, he can he can process that light. Uh, and he reads the God's final message, which is, we apologize for the inconvenience. And this is the robot who is programmed to be depressed and frustrated with his lot in life. And he reads, you know, we apologize for the inconvenience. And he sits back and he says, you know, I think I feel kind of good about that. And then he dies. And, you know, me going through all of this where I'm saying, you know, and I look back on it now and I'm like, that was not that bad of a time. But just because, you know, I'm growing up and I'm, I think everyone has that experience when they're growing up and going through puberty and just, you know, discovering who they are. They're like, you know, hey, God or creator, this is kind of shit. But having that just message like, you know, it's okay that it's shit because, you know, it sucks. That, that, was, that was huge for me. And, you know, that's a comedy book series. <laughs> and that was, that was a light bulb moment where I was like, yeah, this is important.
0: No, that's great. And that's, it's crazy that, that, you know, that, that would come to you so early and, you know, and, and at a pivotal time, you know, that's, that's great. It's, it, it it's funny. Cause when my wife doesn't read and Mike doesn't read and it's, it's just weird when, you know, that you have these people that are just so smart and so, you know, such great people. And you're like, you just, you've got to be reading right now. Cause there's so many good things out there, you know, but you know, it's, it's crazy. All right. Well, let's shift, let's shift gears a little bit. Alright, so, I want to ask you a question. What do you think... What
1: While not, you're working on words, I do... Now, I now do I'm going to have to figure out that, phrasing. Like, yeah, while I, um, while I think that reading is so important for me, I have a, a little difficult time saying, like, you know what, you should be reading. Because, like, people approach mediums in different, different ways. So, I mean, like, if your wife or if Mike, you know, if they're like, you know, reading's not for me, I prefer, you know, movies or television, I'm like, hell yeah, good for you. Be psyched about the way that you take in your stories just be taking in stories
0: yeah that's great and and that's and that's definitely you're like on point with those two people (laughs) with mike and my wife they're you know shows and movies are big for them you know and and hey if they're gonna be doing it you know that's that's great you know because i uh luckily, luckily, for me, I've been able to get my wife into dork stuff, so we've been watching like you know like the Flash and Gotham, and you know just all those superheroe kind of stuff, but we also watch other stuff too, and it's cool to have those experiences in that way too so as you know, far that, as story that goes what makes Q. a good story I don't,
1: know. I don't I don't have a good answer for that. I know what I look for in a story, and I know what I like in stories, but i i you know that's a workable enough definition for me. What I like in stories is. Uh, something that can can mean something that you can take something away from. Um, I'm, I'm writing a game, not to shameless plug. I am writing a tabletop role-playing game called This is a Game About Fishing, which is a heist game where you play a bunch of um, gregarious youths who need to go steal fish in a cyberpunk world where fish are rare. And what I am taking from that is, I don't know if you can see... Uh, this book is part of my research. It's called Stolen World, and it's a fiction, like a novelized history of the skullduggery of the reptile trade, which um, I also have a lot of reptiles and pets and stuff, so that's that's cool on me on that level, too. But there's a lot that I can take away from this, so I can say, like, all right, well, here's how we do heists where animal live cargo is the, is the MacGuffin. This is how... Um, People interact with each other. This is how smuggling works. This is this, that, and the other thing. But, I mean, that's that's almost... That's like a weird line between fiction and nonfiction, which is something that I've only recently started approaching. If you had asked me what makes a good story, um, you know, five years ago, I would have said, like, uh, spaceships blowing shit up, which I think still makes a cool story, but when the spaceships blow shit up, they should also be teaching you a lesson about yourself. But that, I think... I don't know. There's... Good stories are enjoyable. They're informative. Have you... Going back to reading and, and books and stuff, have you read Illusions, Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah? I think it. I think it's Illusions, the Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah, um by, it's by Richard Bach, who's the same guy who did uh, Jonathan Livingston Seagull, um, and it's a very like phil- philosophical book, and it's very like, it does a lot of heavy-handed hoity-toity. This is how we think, and this is how life works, sort of deal. But there's a passage that I really like where. The Messiah is talking to the protagonist, who is a biplane operator. He, like, lands in cornfields and then gives people plane rides for money. And this Messiah comes down and fixes his plane without, like, tools or oil. He just does it because he's turning water into wine. But they go see Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and they have a conversation about what makes good stories. And, it, like, R- Richard Bach's idea is that people go to stories because they want to be entertained or they want to be informed. And there's really nothing else. Um, Everything comes down to, well, I have enjoyment out of this or, well, I learned something from this. And that's something that, you know, whether or not I like that book, which I do, it's something that I've been able to separate from that and to apply to different things.
0: So getting back, getting, gosh, we're just hopping all, I'm just hopping all over the place, but getting back to uh, trying to make your own RPG, what what challenges have you come to with trying to start up your own RPG and, you know, the writing down of the story and the world and the, the way that you know combat and checks and stuff like that work because i you know i'm looking to also do my you know own thing <laughs> do my own rpg plug plug shameless shit you know that kind of thing but um how you know when you start this whole thing you know do you have something in place do you have bare bones or you just go well, you know what, screw good I'm, I'm just going to take an idea i have and run with it where do you go players. from there
1: so i i will say that if we have 5 people i do about 30% of the writing for the series and then that remaining 70% is shared amongst all my players. So I only marginally do more writing on the series, and I think that's just mainly because I they expect me to come up with a story. Um, but then if I give them like just like a skeleton of a hook, they will latch onto it. Tarka is incredible. She's played by SJ. She started the game with you are a Krogan who's working who was working to secure the, the Genophage cure. ...for Krogan's who were not on Tuchanka when it was deployed. That's what she started with. And then she took that and said, alright, well, I'm working to fix my people. And has hopped onto this sort of weird genetic manufacturing nightmare with just a vengeance. Like, she is dedicated to stopping that because she's seen what it's done to her people... And she is, um, she's stubborn and obstinate in protecting her found family, even though, you know, like, the Krogan culture is very, like, rough and callous. So she has a hard time showing that she really cares about people. But as soon as you mess with Alonabelle Tarka, or Alonabelle Izine or Calcoris, she is gonna, you know, mess you up. Alonabelle, who I, for the longest time, I, I thought was our main character. Now I'm not entirely sure. Uh, She's played by Dan. He's been incredible with that, and I think that's been a huge writing point for me, is his thread of caring about the people that he's lost, or her thread of caring about the people that she's lost throughout the years of her service is something that I can really tug on and and play with. And the character of Jax, who's our our long-running almost villain, um, I don't want to spoil too much about it for people who haven't listened to it, she's uh, the most recurring NPC um, I wasn't even planning on having her an, be an important part of the show, uh, but because of Alana Bell's um, kind of guilt over losing her the first time, uh, and you'll have to listen to the show to, to hear about why I have to say the first time, Alana Bell's guilt about losing her the first time made me bring her back and made me use her as a central part of what is now the plot of The Leviathan Files.
0: Well, I won't keep you too much longer, but I, I'm just gonna ask you a couple more random questions that popped in my head too. What's what's your oh, what's the most what's <laughs> your most favorite so thing many, about this podcast? So, so many far?
1: things that I think are positive about this podcast that have been just incredible parts of my life and incredible experiences. I think the biggest thing for me is um, so I, I talked about it when I was on our random bullshit um, roundtable, but I'm bisexual and there's. N- very, very little in tabletop role-playing games in, like, the big, like, triple A titles. So, like, D&D doesn't really do a good job until, uh, I think, pretty recently, but I kind of jumped off the wagon when Pathfinder came on. Pathfinder's been pretty good because F. Wesley Snyder, who is their lead writer, is a gay man, and I think that he's made that his um, his goal to be a little bit more inclusive. So they've got... Um, all sorts of LGBT characters that I think that they could be doing more with. But um, I also like that they are, ex- you know, they exist, which is <laughs> unfortunately more than you can say for a lot of tabletop role-playing. I, I think the indie market right now is doing really good work with queer content. Um, I just recently played my first game of Monster Hearts, which is my darling of a game right now. That's I do the heart eyes emoji whenever I look at or think about my monster hearts book it's such a good game but there's not a lot that you really see um in terms of queer content in the media that's being produced like actual plays or podcasts or youtubers or or whatever you know what have you um i think it's like god's fall and i think one shot rpg has had had some you know queer characters i don't I don't know how James or Kat identify, but um, they've definitely had representation of of, of queerness on their shows. Um, so that was something for me that I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm by. I want to have a show made by queer people about queer people. And, you know, I, d- I don't want to speak specifically for, you know, the people on my my cast who haven't I, I identified one way or the other but um i'm bi chris is a trans woman sj is bi pan and also ace and you know having this show that i can be like all right this is you know you know queer people making shit that they want to make and people are liking it and people are you know going through it and we're getting really great feedback on it like that's something that's super important to me Th- i mean that's that's one of my favorite things um the other is the people that I meet. So I mentioned earlier my, you know, my podcasting best friends are the Redacted Files. Um, that's not a friendship that I would have thought, you know, I would have had even just two, three months ago. Um, and I've met so many great people, you know, you guys at MFGCast have been wonderful in having us on just a gratuitous amount of times. <laughs> the Redacted Files, I am I recorded my first episode on one of their storylines um, we're doing Better Angels, which is Greg Stolze's super-villian, or supervillain, you know, demon sort of role-playing game. We've had Redacted Files on our show. Um, I'm set to be on a, another friend's uh, podcast pretty soon. That's the Side Project podcast, which is tangentially related to Fear the Boot, who I found out that... Uh, chris hussey is from twig minnesota which is where my stepmom is from (laughs) how did i forget this until just right now i even talked about f wesley snyder he tweeted at us and like engaged with us which was super cool um i just like liked one of his tweets he must have checked out my page and saw that we were at d20 mass effect and he tweeted at us was like hey i wrote this thing for mass effect pathfinder you should check it out and that that was we will flash back again when I was trying to find a system for the show, it was between this D20 Mass Effect and then the um, the Mass Effect fate hack that was disqualified at the Ennies this year. Um, and I was looking for things that people had done with each, and the, I think I found one adventure for each one. And the adventure that I found for D20 Mass Effect, um, it wasn't specifically for this system that we're using, but it was F. Wesley Snyder's Pathfinder Mass Effect. And I was like, all right, I like this. We're going to do this one. And so I tweeted back at him. I was like, dude, this is literally the reason why we're using the system that we're using. Thank you so much. That was incredible. Um, So to just be like playing the system for 14 years, reading his books, and then when he put out Pathfinder with everyone else at Paizo, reading that and playing that, um, and then having him reach out to us, not the other way around, was not something that I would have ever thought possible.
0: All right, one last question. So now that you've you know you've you know been through a lot now, and you've kind of you know gotten your groove, and you've figured out kind of what the podcast is, and you know you're kind of cleaning up the beginning to you know really get it to where you want it. Where where I've do you want it to go from here?
1: Pretty heavily, um, because I only have about enough material for maybe two more seasons. Um, so the Leviathan Files was never intended to be a show that goes on forever. So I mean, once the players you know, resolve their internal struggles and also the the plot storyline that they're on. That's probably going to be it for that story. Um, I definitely don't want to stop podcasting anymore, uh, especially given the things that I just finished talking about. So I think we want to... I mean, we... I want to finish up the Leviathan Files as well as I can. I want to have a really great finale... I, and that's something like super, super future. Um, and then I have a few ideas for other shows that I definitely want to do. I know Dan and I want to do a show. Um, SJ and I are going to do a uh, Deep Space Nine rewatch show. I think The Leviathan Files was just kind of like a jumping point, a springboard for where, where I want to go in terms of content creation. Um, I have a game coming out that I'm working on. Everything is just kind of explode from here i think and i don't really have an endpoint i i have a lot of like forks in the road that we have stuff to think about and stuff to plan for but i don't think that we have really like a goal we just want to make more stuff um so i love the stuff that i've made i love making that stuff and i want to make more stuff even when the stuff that i'm currently making is done i'll we'll just continue just to put out stuff as long as people listen
0: Yeah, I was, you know, I was kind of thinking about this the other day because, you know, you've, you see these podcasts that, you know, have a theme like your guys's does. And you're, you know, and I'm sure there's some people that are like, oh, I just love it so much. I don't want it to ever end. You know, I want it to last forever. But then you think about, you know, you think about even like book series or TV series that you watch or, you know, movie trilogies <laughs> that you watch and you go, ah, I really wish it would have ended after the first movie or, you know, I wish after the second season it would have been done because they went nowhere from there. You know, so I like I like that you guys that you have an end in sight, you know, even though it may be down the road a little bit. I like that you you still you're you're like okay we want to have the story wrap in a way to where it's it makes sense for everybody and then, and then right. it can you know yeah. be in its own little well, and when I, time when I talk capsule about for saying, everybody like I know. only
1: have x amount written for the ending like I don't want to be saying like all right well this is what we've got wrapped for the main show the end good night I want to make sure that like All four of our players get closure on everything that they're working on. I want to make sure that the main storyline finishes up. And, you know, if that's next season, if that's three seasons from now, I don't know. But I I know that as soon as that happens, uh, we'll call it a night, the curtains will close, and then the curtains will open and something new will be there.
0: Well, I don't think I'm going to I don't think I'm going to okay. ask anything other than that because I think I that's a pretty good wrapping up point. I do have one quick <laughs> shout out. Chris
1: wanted me to shout out a show on YouTube called Extra Credits and their spin-off show called Extra History. She says it's an unrelated to podcast, but it's a good in-depth gaming show. So, if you check out Extra Credits and Extra History, um, that's endorsed by The Leviathan Files. So, check those out.
0: <laughs> I will. Thank you very much. I'm always looking for, for awesome content, so that's great. Okay, well... I think we've hit everything, and I just wanted to say a little something at the end that I'd like to say thank you to you, Taylor, for always being there when we've when we've asked you to do stuff. So it's nice to say you know what you said in the past about or before here about being thankful about being on our podcast. We're always thankful for having you on because you've always been you've always <laughs> been a good guest, and uh, we've always liked you on the on the Improv's, which we'll be doing one tomorrow as of this recording. So it'll be nice oh, man, to no, do it, it again. So it, it should be like us thanking thank you, you because for always. Because like coming on?
1: I'm going to say it 400 million times in the future, but you guys were the first people to have us on and it's it's been a joy every single time interacting with you guys and interacting with the people that we meet from your show. It's been a great great resource for us. So thank you so much.
0: You're very welcome. <laughs> All right, guys. So again, Leviathan Files Anywhere you can, anywhere where you can find podcasts, you'll be able to find them. iTunes, Stitcher, your mobile app, that kind of thing. Listen to it. It's it's great fun, especially if you like the Mass Effect series. It's a fun little go through. it. I think everybody that plays their characters plays it true to the true to the theme of the story and the series and their characters. So go check it out. And uh, that's it for this episode. And we'll see you on <laughs> another one. Have a good night. Or good morning, or whenever you're listening to this. (laughs) This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network, bringing you the geek.